Welcome back and to series two of The Skin Pod with me, Louise Thomas-Mins, skin health therapist, educator, product founder and serial entrepreneur. I am excited to bring you once again a whole host of special guests who all have one thing in common, an interest, an obsession in skincare. Before we get going with this week's episode, I want to tell you about the sponsors of this series, which happens to be very close to my heart, as it's Louise Thomas Skincare, a real labour of love uh, that started some 18 years ago, um, was to develop and formulate my own signature skincare range. Seven years ago, I started this process and earlier in 2022, I launched the first in the range, The Cleanser. It's really been a tough ride to get to launch with my vision being quite a simple one. Through my passion, expertise and education, I aim to empower everybody to take control of their skin health. You can learn more about my mission and the products at louisethomasskincare.co.uk. And I remember on that course thinking, this is just, this is amazing. It's so tranquil. It's so, such a lovely way if there's a way to sort of earn my living from this. So I went to the States and I learned that and I brought that back to the UK. You did not feel like a chip and get this oil off me. I seem to remember it was something like, it was either 150 or 250 pounds at that time. Well, Maggie, thank you so much. That would be beautiful if that was the rate that everybody used our product. (laughs) Yes, indeed. For a treat today, as I am joined here on the Skin Pod by a legend of the skin and beauty industry. This lady is passionate about formulating natural and organic skincare, is an expert in healthy skin techniques, an author, and of course, the founder of Jane Scrivener Skincare. Jane, thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you. I think I'm going to spend the next 45 minutes living up to that introduction. So no pressure. (laughs) Oh, it's just so lovely of you to come on and and join me on the Skin Pod. And uh, just, I mean, uh, personally, I've got so many questions that I want to to ask you. Um, And we share a lot of sort of similar passions. But of course, you know, every skincare brand has its own identity and its own point of difference. And I can't wait to hear about sort of the background of how you created the brand and where that all came from as well. Um, And I I mean, I don't think I'm that much younger than you, but I do remember uh, when I was at college um, having having your books as well, um, which was brilliant. In fact, they're still here somewhere. I'm looking at my bookshelves now, but um, I'd almost forgotten, forgive me, that, that you also wrote all of those amazing books as well. But anyway, let's let's start relatively at the beginning. How did you get into the beauty industry? What was was there a defining moment for you and a real clear decision of, yep, this is what I'm going to do? No, is the very short answer <laughs> to that. Um, it was it's a very roundabout way, and um, I certainly have backed it up with full qualification and training since then. But it was literally it was a gazillion years ago, back in the early 90s, I came back from a skiing holiday and received a letter to say I'd been made redundant from a job in London in advertising. And I thought, okay, I need to find myself a career where I can't be made redundant and something that if I'm going to put that much effort and time into, I want to really love it. And I had done a weekend's course in massage. And I remember on that course thinking, this is just, this is amazing. It's so tranquil. It's so such a lovely way. If there's a way to sort of earn my living from this, it would be so much lovelier than the job I was in, even though I love the job I was in. Um, and so that's sort of, it led to, I put my redundancy money into doing all my massage training, my anatomy and physiology um, training. And then it was kind of another events once I trained as a massage therapist and started to train other people who at the same time 
were being made redundant um, from their jobs because it was sort of going from the 80s, the, the first recession I've lived through. And then after training everybody in massage, thought, oh, okay, what, a, what can I train them in next? And I'd heard about a treatment called Lestone therapy in oh, the States. Yes. And it was everything I wanted it to be because it was, I didn't use anything in my massage other than beautiful oils, just plain oils. And then when Lestone therapy came, I heard about it. It was, I was able to use temperature. So it was still completely natural. It wasn't involving a product range, but it was involving a product in the form of thermotherapy. And I'd already worked out in the massage that I was pumping up the muscles, but wasn't able to flush through all the, the gunk, if you like, that you bring into in a deep tissue massage into the muscle. And I was using cool mitts to kind of flush down. Okay. I'm not sure my customers really liked that, <laughs> but I was just thinking, I have to make sure. I always use the analogy, if you've really worked a muscle, you've got all the byproducts of lactic and malic acid, not malic, lactic acid and uric acid in the muscle, which is, gives you that stiffness the next day. But if you apply cool, it flushes it through. So it was always like pulling the flush chain. So when I heard about the stone therapy, I thought that's my product. It's the alternating temperature. So I went to the States and I learned that and I brought that back to the UK and was using that and training that. And then I got to train that around the world. And this is a very long answer to, <gasps> no, this to a is question. A brilliant answer. And it, <laughs> in that training around the world, of course, with the stones, you had to season them with oil to keep them smooth on the body. So wherever I was in the world, if I was in Chile or um, in the States as well, or Morocco, they would bring you their natural oil that was abundant. So I, that's how I got to meet my future ingredients. It started with massage, then it went on to my ingredients being temperature. And then my ingredients were core plant oils that we know as carrier oils and base oils. But for me, that completely devalued them because all the omega-rich, omega-rich um, vitamin content of those oils is usually about 90% of any product because you can't have that much essential oil in anything. So for me, it was being exposed in my inverted commas world spa travels and training that I I bought home my ingredients. I sort of thought, well, the, I, I can bring home all of those and start to use them on my customers. And also over the course of a of the four day training that I was doing, I would see the difference in people's yeah. skin. And in the UK, I think you'll be aware of it when we were at college or anything like that, you used sweet almond oil or sunflower oil if you were lucky. And it just made everything have that that very pleasant <laughs> fragrance of slightly oh, rancid oil after yes. a few days. Whereas the end of a training on jojoba oil or argan oil or rosehip oil, A, your skin looked amazing. You did not feel like a chip and get this oil off me. But you just saw the skin drink it in and completely transform. And that kind of, that was therefore what I had learned on the job. It was my experience. Um, and it just became my palette really for creating a product range. I bought little bottles of it home and then continued to source from the people I'd met in my travels. Oh, wow. That is just amazing. And so I'm now trying to think back because, of course, I remember when Lestone Therapy exploded mm. into the UK. Yes. Um, and I remember there was then, I think it must have been just towards the end of my training. So that would have been around oh, 1996, um, that there was this yep. opportunity um, and I was I remember being gutted because I think we were going to be able to learn to do it. But I was about to leave and was like, oh, I really wanted to go and do that. Um, so did did that did you sort of carry that through or or did it did other people then kind of pick up this Lestone therapy? And so so you were kind of the original person that brought it over here and sort of pioneered it and mm -hmm. then gradually decided to step away from that and obviously as you say kind of work on on creating the amazing oils from that um yeah I didn't we worked with Lestone and Mary Nelson because it was Mary Nelson I was very lucky when I went over to the states I trained with oh, Mary okay. who was the she wasn't the originator she she would always not she would always say that sounds like it she, it's a story she had the treatment channeled to her by her Native American Indian guide because Native American Indians do not write things down. They pass it down from generation to generation. And now I'm, tra I'm really trawling now on my memories of the training course. Um, 
And so when I booked on a course, it was Mary that wow. taught me because she was, I think there was her and about four other people that she had trained in that could train. So I was the annoying student who turned up on day one, hour one of having not even held a stone saying, oh, and I want to be an instructor in this. And you can imagine, you said, yeah, love, you just might need to do the training first and let's see if you're Brilliant. any good. So I absolutely adored the training. It sort of hit some chords. There was some crystal work, there was chakra work, there was energy work of which I had never known the like. But it just it it just rang true. So yes, I trained around the world and because I was English speaking and Mary was English speaking, we kind of shared the world and then at the same time because you alluded to it earlier, I had written books. I had a publisher that was open. So I wrote the Lestone Therapy book wow. for Mary and with Mary. And then we wrote the manual. Um, so, yes, I had a very, very close link. So that we did put it into colleges because, yes, colleges got very open again to that. This is a new thing because there's not much new in therapy. And you will know that when a new treatment is designed, it comes around and you think there are elements. Everything comes from yeah. something. It doesn't come from nothing. So... Yes, we were Lestone therapy, and I know Mary. When people started to, and she she would not let us say copy it. It was there were other expressions of stone therapy, yes. and the only thing I think that really got to her, and also to me, and any other trainer, is a lot of people that took that on missed out the cold stone because they said, "Oh, our customers don't like the cold stone," and it's for me that was the real the cold stone. A cold stone massage, entirely cold stone, from a girl called Tina Pleshek, who lives in Wisconsin, America, is still the best treatment I have ever had in wow. my life. Because cold delivered, cool delivered correctly. It's like all this Wim Hof stuff, you know, ice cold. It's um, Sebastian Kneipe. He did that a gazillion years ago in Germany. You could go to the Kneipe Schule. I studied there for, for sort of a summer where they'd spray, jet spray you with cold water. And in the forests there, you walk through, they build ice ponds so that you can walk through it when you're on your walk. You take your shoes off. And they had wellness weeks where you took the waters and cold temperature. And the reason I know cold is good, it's it's the yin, it's the feminine. And I always used to say, again, harking back to my Lestone days, warmth is the masculine. It kind of makes everything feel lovely and all cosy. And how fabulous is this? It doesn't get to the root of the problem. Cold stone is the female. It goes straight into the nub of the problem, sorts it out, and then gets out of there quick. And then you feel fantastic. So it might not be nice when it's happening, but boy, does it sort out the situation. So for me, yes, and I, I don't know where we're going now. On the, yes, but we train that. And anybody else that took the stones on, if they didn't have the cold, I always thought you it's just not, you just didn't yeah. get it. You did not get it. Yeah. Oh, and I mean that is just it's so topical the the whole kind of cold therapy thing and the Wim Hof mm. thing. Yeah. Um, but for you, it must almost be a bit frustrating that you're like, yep, I've kind of been there, done that. It's been around for centuries. Knew about this already. But I love. See, I I wonder why I would always think that the that the heat would be the feminine and that would I kind of have that association with that being kind of more mm. female so that's fascinating um no yeah the heat is the sun uh, the cool is the female it's the moon yeah. um it is it's that balance of it, the in balance absolutely you if you turn your shower to cold which I yes, do I have me time too. On in yeah. my shower for the two minutes, if you haven't done the warm first, the cold is killer. Okay. If you have your body warmth and you've done all your washing and then you do the cold, that stimulation is absolutely stunning. Um, and going back to what you said, do you, I, don't, I don't feel frustrated. I just think, wow, when something new, new, new comes along, that's what gets my attention. Yeah. And it's absolutely right that crystals will come around energy healing will come round chakras will come round the vagus nerve that's back yes, again yeah um it's all these things that we we do have they come with different names it's the same with ingredients though there was an ingredient i was working with um i think it was called pennywort and somebody a girl i was talking to had come over from australia to do the training she says you have to get you have to get tiger grass you have to get tiger grass i'm thinking oh jeepers the pressure i need tiger grass in my next product and then you looked at it and actually Gotu Cola, no, Pennywort became ah. Gotu Cola. 
became tiger grass, became the next thing. So it's like there are very, very, very few new plant species, very new, few new ideas. You just have to sort of put your stick in the sand and decide this is this is kind of what drives my thought process. And it's brilliant that they do come around again. Otherwise, whole generations would miss out on yeah, them. Absolutely. And actually, that that kind of segues um, beautifully into, I think, an interview that I read with you where you said about your philosophy being very much don't do things the way they are done. And I guess that's kind of what you're saying there, isn't it? It's sort of almost being bold enough to say, I'm going to take those principles, but understand this this is a new evolution of them or have I misunderstood kind of what your, what your meaning was behind, behind that? No, I think you've got that spot on. It's very much, if I always say there's, there's the way and a way. And I think there's a lots of people who think, well, this is the way yeah. to do it. And you think, well, yeah, it's our way to do it. So let's, let's have a look at how I want to put my stamp on it. But also if there is a way to do something and it is successful and you're aware of it, then just park that because that means you can always come back to that. Why not just go, maybe this is the Scorpio redhead in me. If somebody tells me to do it one way, it's like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's not happening that way. So it's go off piste a bit and think, ask those questions. Why have they, why would you do that? Why would you do it like that when you could do it like that? Because you can always come back to that. Yeah, I get why they did it like that because they've probably been around the houses and this is the way. Um, but there's, I just think, and sometimes if you go into things and maybe that's by being self-taught, if you go into things without the prior knowledge, I remember designing a body treatment and I just designed a full body treatment on the couch where it was a full body scrub, washing them, cleansing the body and everything without them having to get off the couch because I never had a shower in my treatment room. So then when I started to train that in, people were saying, what, you don't have to shower? I said, well, I didn't even think there was the opportunity of having a shower. I didn't, that didn't register. Whereas had I come from a formal training, I would always thought there used to, there was a shower in the room yeah. in some facilities. But then you realise if you have a shower in your room and you ask your client to just nip up and shower quickly, you could lose them for 20 minutes in there. And then they've lost that time with you doing the treatment. So it's, it is a level of keeping the control so that you can steer the treatment or steer the execution or the operation, not as in a tech medical one, but as in going through that whole process and delivering. But also it means that you can find little different ways to do things um, and as long as it's a positive good way then that's that's a bit of a discovery and it also keeps the job interesting just patting out the same treatment the same formula the same way to do something every day all day you know that's why they're developing robots so that we don't have to do that sort yeah of thing. absolutely and and of course you know obviously I, like yourself done a, an official qualification and then went back mm. and, and taught at the college that I trained at so of course, I understand there has to be a curriculum, otherwise you'd never get people through a course. But mm. it is a shame, I think, that sometimes that can sort of almost bash people's personality out of them. And and I think there does need to be this realisation, of course, you need to do things a certain way to make sure it's safe and everybody's kept healthy. And But at the same time, it's OK if if your massage technique is a bit different and in fact let's embrace that and roll with that um, mm. and that actually you're asking that client a question that perhaps somebody else wouldn't have thought to ask because it's going to draw out of them you know their needs and wants from that that treatment or that product um so swinging back to your so you're kind of using almost formulating your own oils when you're teaching Lestone therapy having this realization that oh hang on a minute if I can get hold of these ingredients I could actually make a better quality oil or, or make sure that there's a delivery of all of these amazing actives to the skin at the same time as as massage. How how did that then sort of go into I'm going to put this in a in a bottle or a jar and, and I'm going to see if I can sell this? Uh, well, and again, I think the theme is coming up. I don't really plan for much. It's sort <laughs> of it happens organically in that very, very nice way of saying it just kind of happens it was it was having those oils and using them on my client's skin and seeing the difference and then them saying actually 
can I have can I have some of that and me thinking well I I've only got sort of a small amount so next time I'll buy a bit more and you know I'll put it in one of those amber bottles with a black lid and you can take a bit home because I can see that it's making a difference so I could blend different oils and give them to my customers and then there used to be a sort of a tag with a name on and then I I got to the stage where I always used to say I know I've made it when I have my my bottles printed or even my labels printed mm-hmm. so I kind of think we're very close to that. Um, But it is that thing about I was working with oils, so body oils and facial oils. But then as people started to buy them and want them and order them, it became there was that conscious decision that now, because also at the time it was aromatherapy and I absolutely adore aromatherapy, but I'm, I'm not an aromatherapist. I did do a perfumer's course because I love perfume and I wanted to be able to blend the products to have a fragrance which sounds like a synthetic thing to have a smell aroma that was absolutely beautiful but it couldn't just be beautiful for the sake of it so I also wanted to blend the essential oils so that they smelt beautiful but first and foremost worked therapeutically for what that product was designed to do so if it was for maturing skin the essential oils had to be first and foremost for maturing skin but then they also had to be formulated together to smell beautiful because that olfactory and maybe coming from the spa industry, I still had that thing of, well, of course, it's got to be glorious. It's got to be spa like it's not just skincare. So and I didn't and I think at the time people thought that aromatherapy was just, well, that's really lovely to have, isn't it? It's fluffy, but it doesn't work hard. It's not skin yeah. care. So then that's when I had to start to really study. And I'd, I'd, I'd hear about an ingredient, say, for instance, apple cider vinegar, which is forms a huge percentage in our exfoliator skin foliate it's like i love this ingredient how can i use it within my range and immediately when you start to see the properties of what it can do then it's going to be an alpha hydroxy exfoliator because that's what it will do it's malic acid it's apple cider vinegar it's going to work on you know resurfacing the skin so i sort of i'm still like i did right at the start finding the ingredient and working out how i can use it it's the same with skin foliate apple cider vinegar with the mother still alive with the raw ferment unpasteurized organic how can i use that what can i add to it put with it combine it with to make it a really effective ingredient so i i am ingredient led if i hear about read about think about an ingredient then I will try and dress it to make it a really effective product. So I'm still ingredient-led rather than purpose-led, although the more serious your skincare range becomes, the more. And also future-proofing my skin, it's a very selfish way of going about having my own skincare, <laughs> is I think, okay, what, do I, what does my skin need now? I need this. So, you know, like the latest one, a vitamin B, realising it is literally – hard I, I in fact i was thinking about this the other day it's it's the second child you know we always talk about vitamins a b and c everybody wants a because it turns things over it makes rapid change overnight everybody wants c because it repairs everything and b sort of gets a doesn't get the highest vote but actually b has been around forever yeah. and it quietly gets on we're doing all the hard work it doesn't take front of stage it's not there for the sort of the massive repair work but it's there for stunningly conditioned skin forever. So yes, it's finding an ingredient and then learning myself. And then I do have to work with a chemist because if I if it's just oils and butters, no issue whatsoever. I can formulate that myself. As soon as we start to work out how an ingredient stay, I always used to say, I put all these things together in a bottle and then I'd have to send it to a chemist to say, am I actually making something, a future bomb? You know, they, they're sticking together now, but in four weeks time of living together in What's this bottle, are these ingredients still going to get on? Exactly. So yes, I do. I am safe. Don't worry. Um, I do work with the chemist. If it's butters and oils, no, of course they are all approved and they go through all their CPSR and all the things that we have to do. Absolutely. And stability. But no, I um, so it's I think I'm answering my question again, rabbiting on. It's it's in, it is still the ingredient that I want to champion that I know will do something stunning for skin. Yeah, and, and I love that because I do 
believe and and think now I'm kind of just in the very early days of dipping my toe into the formulation mm. side that sometimes people do tend to think about, oh, I know I'm going to make a cleanser or I'm going to make, um, as you said, an exfoliant. Um, and what do I need to put in that? Whereas I love the fact that you flip it and go, wow, that's interesting. How, what can I make out of that? How am I going mm. to turn that into something amazing? And skin foliate as well is, you know, it is active. It, it really does. Um, I, I was going to say it really does work. That's really patronizing. I don't mean it like that. But as in I, I, every time I use it on myself or if I use it on a client, I'm always amazed at the the activity that you can see going on on the skin, um, you know, from the viewpoint of using it pre-extraction and just, oh, the joy of, uh, mm. of then extracting blackheads after you've used skin foliate. So um, I'm delighted that, yeah, if you did decide to to take that ingredient and run with it because it's, um, but it, it's, it's quite a unique way of doing it, I think. I do think a lot of companies, maybe because some companies don't have, their founders actually in it on a daily basis, but they run away with the idea of a product and the final outcome rather than actually this ingredient or these two ingredients, I, I want to find a way of working with them. Mm. Um, and a lot of your, was it your cleansing balm? Was that the first skincare product that you formulated after the oils? Yes, it was. The, yes, because the oils, in fact, again, going back to the, the first Thing, product I put in a bottle was the, a detox body and bath oil ah. because people were reading the books and I was sending them off to Boots to get yourself a sort of a cleansed bath oil and buy some magnesium salts to take your bath in um, and then realise actually why, you know, trying to get adult about the whole thing, why don't we have a product that I know the formula of the essential oils will work. So that's how that came around. But then Again, I was a dyed-in-the-wool and Eve Lom cleanser. I adored it. She was one of the yeah. first people that bought out a cleansing balm back in the day. And I, I even saved up and had a facial with Eve Lom, which oh, was, wow. I mean, it was stunning, but it was hilarious. <laughs> and, and we're talking 30 years ago. And it was, too, I seem to remember, it was something like, it was either 150 or 250 pounds <gasps> at that time. It was outrageous. And you were told you had to pay in cash. You had to turn up 20 minutes early. You must not shower in any perfumed products. You must not wear perfume. It was almost like, okay, wow. who's paying for this? Um, but it was one of the best lessons I ever had because, and I expected, that was the other thing, I'd save money up because I thought, right, this person knows her onions. So whatever she tells me I have to use, I will be buying from her. And she only had a very small range at that time when she still owned the brand. And I came out of that facial. I had been told off for not breathing properly, for my posture not being correct. But it's just like, oh, okay, that's, so that's a facial, is it? Right, great, thank you. And also she only did part of the facial, which I was gobsmacked. What? I went in with an assistant, yes, didn't meet her, went in, was made ready on the couch. A therapist started the facial. I think, I think she did the cleanse. And then I heard a door open and close and then a completely different voice telling me off for not breathing properly. And then an amazing facial. And then she departed and it was finished off by somebody else. And then I went out and had the consultation, which again, why would you have the consultation at the start? She hasn't seen my skin yet. My skin has not been in her hands. How does she know? Because I'm only telling her. She's the expert. She should be telling yeah. me. And that's how I think some of our industry have things wrong. It's like, asking people to book in for a specific treatment. They book in for a hydrating something facial. When actually, yes. that's not what they should be having. They should be having a deeply cleansing, nourishing facial. So anyway, that's I'll, I'll get off that <laughs> high horse. Discover today why 97% of users would buy our cleanser again. The holy grail of any skincare routine, the cleanser efficiently cleanses while supporting the skin's moisture level and pH. It's a luxurious foaming cleanser that uses a coconut derived surfactant to lift makeup, dirt and oils from the skin so they can be washed away. You can buy the cleanser at www.louisethomasskincare.co.uk. So the Yves Lom balm was gorgeous, but it wasn't 100% 
natural plant origin. And also there was there were lots of oils in there. And I don't know why. Maybe my art teacher used to call me a bear of simple brain. I'm sure I'd be able to take it to some sort of tribunal by now. But it's um it's I just thought because of my work with Listone, I knew so much about jojoba and how it was so similar to the skin's natural oils, identical in chemical structure that I thought, well, why would I mix the oils? Why don't I choose an oil that's just stunning? Why don't I get the best version of it and literally put just enough beeswax in there to hold it as that balm? And the essential oils that I want that work across all skin types, because jojoba works across all skin types, because it was the only product I thought I'd make. So I had to make it as broad a market as possible. So literally, it's three ingredients. It's the blend of essential oils, it's beeswax, and it's beautiful organic jojoba. So for me, it was the simplicity, but also the broad ranging use. And the fact that you could use it as a balm overnight, that 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 it was the first, it was the only product I thought I'd ever do. So I had to make it work. And that's how that one came about. But it was inspired by the Evelon balm. I think Spiezia had a balm at the time. There were very few. Um, and I remember the amount of times I, I was melting things down and getting the beeswax the wrong <laughs> amounts and kept painting it on my face again. Yeah, no, that's not coming off. And, mm, no, that's no. not staying in the pot. Yeah, it's literally, it was literally, a, you know, trial and error, trial and error, trial and error, um, until it was holding exactly the right way. It was melting exactly the right way. And it was, it was dissolving makeup and coming off in exactly the right way. And that's when I think, and I can still, I can still tell you the exact oh. formula now. And that's still hand poured, isn't it? You hand pour your cleanser. Yes. Because um, I yeah. love the fact that when we place our orders with you because we use we use mm. and recommend Jane's products that we place the order and then it's kind of like okay yep we're we're ready to go now so that so we know that it's it's really fresh it's you know it's being kind of created almost not just for us obviously um, but it's being created in those really beautiful small batches in a controlled way mm-hmm. so yeah it, it's great to kind of watch your your Instagram videos I love the ones where you're actually showing the whipped butter polish as well where oh, yes, that's kind yes. of yeah, just shot into the pot and and looks um, just amazing. By the way, I have to very quickly tell you this story. Um, Maggie would be devastated when she knows that I've spoken to you today. Um, so Maggie's my little girl who's seven. Um, okay. And I went into the bathroom last week and there she sat in the bath with your pot of whipped butter polish, looking very pleased with herself. Okay. Uh, the pot <laughs> was empty and she went, look, there you go, mum. I've done my face. I've done my arms. I've done my, oh. I've done my legs and I uh, oh, wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> is there any left in there? No, no. I thought that was mine. So she is a huge fan of the whipped whipped <laughs> butter polish. Um and as if I tell her I've spoken to you today, she'll be very miffed that she hasn't had a chance to come in and say hello. Um but yes, her skin <laughs> did look and does look lovely as a result bless her so she yes maggie well maggie thank you so much that would be beautiful if that was the rate that everybody used our product yes indeed i would be yes looking for early retirement on that but i mean and i think that just proves it is um it's a it is a really gentle product i really hope that she wasn't sort of she didn't do any damage to her skin the entire body um, and it does smell divine. I have tasted it because I, I can't <laughs> believe it doesn't taste as good as it smells. And people at work just look at me and say, what? And you think, but I can't believe it because of the cardamom and the cinnamon that's in there. Um, but it doesn't. It just tastes a bit weird. Don't so don't try do that. that at home, kids. Um, yeah. But, but yes, thank her very much for me for being a product <laughs> tester. Thank you. I just thought I have to tell you that little story. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that... Uh, I like to talk about because I'm nosy and I'm fascinated by other people's skincare rituals. Uh, Every guest that I speak to, I like to know when they grew up, were were there any weird and wonderful rituals, anything they observed by parents or grandparents that sort of either they thought was just a bit odd or that stayed with them? So so for me, it's my mum with her big purple pot of it was Cyclax cream. I've got to stop saying this. They need mm-hmm. to sponsor this podcast because I say that name 
far too much. Um, but it was obviously quite expensive because I remember that we used to buy it for her for like Christmases and birthdays. And yes. she used to apply, she used to take her makeup off with baby lotion oh, and cotton wool and then smear her face in this cream and then perform this weird sort of contorting massage that I used to sort of sit and and watch but that kind of stays with me so I'd love to know if there's anything for you and it doesn't matter if if not because equally that's also interesting I don't think that it, I do I recall now you mention a bottle of was it oil of Yule at yes. the time it was it, then it sort of went to Ole there was obviously many millions of pounds changed that letter from Yule to Ole <laughs> Or vice versa. I don't know which one it is. And I remember it being, was it pink it was. and very, very light? Re- yeah, it was very runny, wasn't it, that product? Yes. And I, I think if you were to do a blind lineup, I would be able to tell you the smell of it. But I think the, the main thing I remember, which is she's not with us any longer, but is the main thing coming out of my mum's dressing table was the hairdryer, that was with the over shoulder looked like a handbag with the big bag so I think in memory of her I won't discuss that at great length but um no I don't remember I think skincare was a mystery thing um but she always had the most beautiful skin now fortunately unfortunately fortunately for her because she had the most beautiful skin but I don't share her genes because I was adopted and so were my brothers and sisters but I I do remember thinking beautiful skin was a, a thing huh. It, you know, I didn't question anything other than what what people's skin like. I didn't look and didn't think that. But I just remember thinking my mum's skin was always so soft. So maybe there was something there yeah. that made it implicit that soft, lovely skin. And then the only other thing is I was the kid that took the rose petals <gasps> and put them in jars in the yes. garage. And then a week later, it had all gone brown and mouldy but still insisting on wearing that I did that too oh Jane I can remember doing that and going in and 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 the disappointment when you took that lid off and went yes foul it's gone mouldy but no no I there's a there's a hint of rose I'm a genius I have made perfume out oh that's so funny Oh, How did we know to do that then? Why Why was it only the rose petals? Yeah, that's true. Was there a lesson at school that sort of fed that to us subliminally? Maybe. Maybe there I was something know, yeah. we did. Because, uh, yeah, I totally mm. used to do that as well. That's brilliant. Um, so <laughs> leading us on then, I, I imagine that, you know, you sort of sachet through into this great big vast room at home that is just floor to ceiling with Jane Scrivener products um and then go what am I going to use today or do you have like your real oh this every morning every night these are my go-tos what's your what's your skincare routine like well my dressing table is kind of in three sections there is and I kid you not there is absolutely hardcore dyed in the wool five a day no question and I have I have got a selection of the facial oils in the oil slot. Then we swing around slightly to the right and it's other brands. Okay. Um, Yes. And yours (gasps) is on there because I do like, I try not to try too much because it's like when I used to write books, the idea of having read another detox book, immediately it goes straight to, I'm going to be done for plagiarism. Oh my God. But if I can honestly say I've never (laughs) read another book, then how can I be? Or I went to a lunch and there was a goodie bag and there was some products there. So, or if I subscribe to a box or something just to see what they look like, of course, I've got the product. So there's a little section of let's, what should we try out of that lot today? Um, And then there is the area for all the products that I'm trialing from our range. So there's three products on there. So unlabeled (gasps) bottles. One is a very watery solution. One is a sort of a gel-like solution and one, I have got about seven different bottles of it that I refuse to throw away, even though each one of them has failed stability. <laughs> so I think I am you know, developing a whole culture there, but I won't throw them. I'm thinking, well, even if they failed stability, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going off. It just means that they are changing too much within the parameters. Yeah. So yeah, so I've got three of those that I will slot in 
um, to see or be very good with them and say, right, I'm going to use this for the next five nights. Really, And then, of course, three nights in, I realised, oh, I didn't use it for the next five nights. I've tried something else. So, yes, I am. But I do do skincare morning and evening. Um, I do stick to the five steps. It's just so it's the cleansing exfoliating hydrating nourishing and protecting but sometimes i'll dip in a newbie from us and sometimes i'll dip in or add i'll do a couple of products in a slot so that i'm trying somebody else's yeah oh nice and and do you it's difficult isn't it when when you kind of have a lot of knowledge because my clients always go oh i bet you're always on this couch no (laughs) no hardly ever actually (laughs) really good with my home care routine very rarely do I get on this couch. But do you try and sort of perform, you know, sort of facial massage or do you have any any treatments yourself and, and try and sort of uh, dip your toe into that side of things? I have a very good friend um, who is about four miles away and her salon is one of the best oh, in the area. Amazing. So, um, so yes, she will message me if they're doing a new treatment or the staff, the girls have done training in something then she'll say, can you come in and be a, a, a test for it? So she's like, yep, please, I'll do that. I do also, we do online facials for members of the James Grivener website. So it is now, it's, it's better now because about every six weeks, I will sit and do a live to our members hours facial. So I do, you know, get to do a longer period of time. But also I do watch quite a lot of TV in the evening. So, and I'm reading something normally, but also I've got in front of me on the coffee table, I have my gua sha blade, I've got moisturizers, I've got, I've got an LED mask. So I would say something definitely every other evening, if not every evening, I will do a mini something even if i'm just massaging my skin i put some moisturizer on and then massage it until it's completely i do something extra which is interesting because i never really i didn't think i did this but now that you've asked me i do do something extra every other day if not every day but yes it's that thing about we talked about it earlier you say that you know students at, at, at college they learn the same facial but you go to, you gravitate to the place where you know that person's hands are the hands you want on your face. So even if everybody does the same course, everybody's hands are completely different. So it is always worth trying different therapists, different treatments from the same therapist, because you'll always get a different treatment. And also your skin is different from hour to hour, from day to day. So and I, it is the same as having your, you look after your car on a daily basis. You make sure you can see out the windows. You make sure it's got petrol. But then every once in a while you take it for an MOT or it has to go to the professionals. It's the same with skin. Every now and again, hopefully regularly, four to six weeks, eight weeks maybe, go to the professionals and just get things done. Because it's or make sure you are applying product for an hour, which you're never going to do yourself. So, yeah check in and get yourself a yeah, facial. And actually just to kind of summarise that as well, you saying about using, you know, the gua sha blade, you don't mm. have to be an expert in that. It's of course great to get some guidance and you provide that. You provide that with, you know, literally the the brilliant card that comes with it. And, you know, we give some guidance when we sell it as well. But mm. I have had two or three clients that have been really fastidious with every evening, doesn't, you know, five minutes sometimes, sitting mm. there with something like your barrier balm yes um with a balm and and basically doing that and the difference you see is huge so it doesn't have to be about spending loads of time daily does it they could literally do you know two to five minutes whilst you're watching something in the evening or like you say you're reading your book but to release that kind of fascia and, and to get uh, that really nice kind of flushing of circulation and lift to the skin it's really really impressive it's exactly as you have described it. It's anything you can do, even if pull it. Well, I, I was taught by um, somebody, even if pulling up to the traffic lights, you've still got one hand on the wheel and the other thumb is just pressure pointing along underneath the brow bone. You're just squeezing the muscle slowly against the bone and releasing it. Move the thumb width along and that really starts to untangle those the muscles around the eye that you've been squinting with, that you've been frowning with, it opens those up and gives you an eye lift. And then the next set of lights, make sure you do the other eye, otherwise you'll be sort of, you know, a bit lopsided. But 
anything like that just sitting with your thumb if you're reading a document underneath your cheekbone and squeezing if it's tender it means the muscle just needs a bit of work thumb underneath your cheekbone just lower the weight of your head onto it and then lift off and move along same with the ch- any manipulation as you say that brings a bit of pinking means you've brought fresh oxygenated blood to the surface which means it has to then flush back down so you're cleansing stimulating and toning those muscles the fascia where on the face is one of the few places where the muscle is attached to the bone so the more tone you can get the more you can work the muscle the more lifted your skin will feel oh that's amazing jay i think you've you've given me and all the listeners just some amazing uh, little take homes and and tips that we can you know very achievable on a daily basis so just before i finish up most importantly, if we want to talk to you, learn more about you and the products, where do we go? I will put that in the show notes as well. And then also, is there anything coming up that that is exciting personally or professionally that you could maybe give us a little bit of an insight into? Ooh, my goodness. Right. So, well, to contact, contact us, definitely there's a lot of information on the website, although after having have to look at it recently, I realised there's not as much there could be. So that will be in the next few months, we will be rejigging the website. So but anything info at Jane Scrivener, any questions you have, more than happy to answer. And that's a part of my job that I love. People say, I didn't expect you to answer. And you think, well, that's that's how I started is talking to clients and customers. It's the only way I can learn is finding out what's happening with people's skin, what's happening with product, without product, whatever. So info at janescrivener.com. And then anything on the website or an email from the website, brilliant. We would love to talk to you. Um, as far as exciting coming up today, um, we actually launch Brightening B, yes. which is our niacinamide B serum, um, which I am very excited about. But of course, it's it feels new because, of course, it is new. But you will know from your formulation. I've known about <laughs> it now. For it, it, I was I was formulating at the start of lockdown. Oh my goodness! So it kind of feels like an old friend that I could not live without now. But it's it's kind of like that is the new one. And I got a I sent a bottle to a friend a couple of weeks ago, and she literally this morning sent me a message saying, "Oh my God, Scrib, this is just amazing." <laughs> so I thought that made oh. me feel really good. I think, oh thank goodness, somebody's tried it and loved it. It is brilliant. I am I'm loving it. As is my husband's using good. it as well. Thank He's you. a rosacea sufferer, and he is using uh, it. So um, oh, we are okay, both yes. loving it. Thank you. Brilliant. Excellent. Feel free to leave a review on the website. <laughs> Will do. Um, um, yes, there are. And again, because of lockdown, I'm not blaming anything on lockdown. It, it does take, I say it takes, I used to say it took 14 months. I'm definitely at 18 months to two years from start to finish on a formulation. And like one of them now is going into its seventh stability. I mean, I can't tell you. That's the one wow. I keep applying. Uh, I know. It's, and I heard it passed stability, but it's changing colour. Oh, so I'm going to have to make some no. tweaks. It's like, no. <laughs> so now I know that's at least 12 weeks from now. But there's something at four weeks Ooh. that is performing beautifully. And there's another one that has completely passed stability and is ready to go, barring one ingredient arriving. But I think I'm going to have to be incredibly patient, which is something I am never... <laughs> and wait and launch the two together. So if you see two products launched together before, well, probably end of September, or even September if I'm lucky, you'll know wow. I have for the first time ever exercised some patients. But I think they're a dream team, and I think launching one without the other wouldn't make sense. Okay. Oh my goodness, the the intrigue. <laughs> well, we we can't wait. Thank you, Jane, so very much. I literally could talk to you all day long, but uh, yeah, I won't. Oh, I won't great. do that. But thank you so much. And as I say, I will share all of the details in the show notes of where you can go and learn more about Jane and her products. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's been great. Coming next, it's the fly on the wall. So, Liz, I think it's probably a good idea to put your skin health concerns into a bit of context here for 
the listeners so that they understand the age group and the, the type of sort of skin concern that we're, we're maybe looking at. So um, if you don't mind me saying, you are in your 40s. Um, yeah, and <laughs> And so majority skin type for you, I, I mean, I've treated you for, for quite a while, but your majority skin type is dry in as much mm. as there's not a lot of oil flow. So you've got very, very fine porcelain kind of textured skin fortunately don't demonstrate a lot of actual dryness but I know one thing one area that we always end up talking about when we treat you is your eye area Mm. so let's kind of go through those sort of kind of concerns that you have with your eye area what you see happening and then we can talk about sort of ways that we have been treating it and maybe sort of you know it'd be good just to have an update actually on where where you're at with your eye area and your eye concern yeah absolutely I mean I think it's always been a problem even since I was sort of in my 20s that that was an area that got dry and if I become run down or have a bit of inflammation I immediately get eczema on my eyelids and under my eyes I also have dry eyes I think I think I've just realized that because they water all the time and I didn't know that was a thing I just thought everybody's eyes did that and then I was kind of looking it up and it was like no it's dry eyes so I wonder if that has a impact as well like it's just a generally not very oily area for me yeah. Oh, well, that that is interesting because that's kind of something new then since we last, you know, I treated yeah. you and we, we last spoke, <laughs> isn't it? And, you know, unfortunately, tarring you with that perimenopause brush, but mm-hmm. dry eyes is a thing, isn't it? It is a symptom of that change and shift in hormones. And we're talking about your actual eye area so as mm. in the the water the the fluid that mm. is in your eye we're not just talking about around your eye here so is that what you mean yeah. so you you're kind of yeah yeah using... so yeah I literally get dry eyeballs yeah um yeah. which of course isn't dry it makes them water like mad to try and overcompensate and that sort of gathers in the skin sort of just under my bottom eyelid which makes it really sore at times and really dry and I also have one eye, which I always talking to you about, which gets puffy and I don't understand why it's one eye and not yeah, the other because I don't yeah. even sleep on that side particularly. But it's always been the same, even since I was really young. So I'm always really paranoid about that because I think the skin around it is super delicate and and I, I find it's quite reactionary to stuff that I put on there. So I think we've we've tried a few different things and some things have worked really well and other things just sort of haven't worked that well so I have to be I can't use retinol at all no retinol for you around that area is is yeah not not a good idea which is frustrating when you're wanting to kind of work towards healthy aging and Mm. you know sort of slow that process but I think it might just be useful in case the listeners aren't aware just to sort of talk very briefly about the anatomy of that area and Mm. thinking about the protective mechanisms around the eye because of course our lashes are there our eyelids are there there's an abundance of nerve endings all there to shield and protect the eye area so you know generally you're going to have skin that is 10 times thinner than the rest of the face Mm. um, in that area as well and and the eye is designed to keep things out so um, exactly what you're explaining if it's experiencing you know a sort of a loss of fluid actually physically in the eye then you're more prone to you know your eyes watering and trying to produce more fluid but that then brings with it that irritation because that in itself is quite drying if you're you know those tears are constantly falling down onto that already very thin very delicate skin that water will evaporate um it will then pull more moisture out of the skin as well so you've got you know i'm gonna mention it you've got lipid barrier issues so <laughs> you've got that transepidermal water loss going on because the skin is just so much thinner but then you've also generally got you know a lack of of fats in that area Anyway, I don't mean fats as in, you know, Mm. eye bag. I mean literal fats, protective fats in the skin. And then if you're an eye makeup wearer and your eyes are watering, you're going to be, yeah, because I know you love your, love your eye makeup, um, (laughs) but you're then going to be wiping that away. And then there Mm. might be some irritants, you know, ingredients in the makeup that sort of chemistry then is being compromised when you're mixing that with your tears. So, 
it's this vicious cycle, isn't it, of inflammation and irritation. But I wonder whether that sort of one eye that you've always said has been worse than the others. I wonder if there is a, you know, maybe there's a blockage in the tear duct or mm. there's something there, isn't there, that's, that's, as you said, always been that way, that's causing that eye to perhaps be mm. puffier than, than the other. Thyroidism as well mm. is something to consider with the eyes and getting, you know, an increase in fluid. And if you look at that Chinese philosophy, the eyes and the kidneys are really closely linked. Mm. So that's not me saying, oh, you know, if you've got puffy eyes, you've got something wrong with your thyroid mm. or your kidneys, but it's a consideration. Yeah. And, you know, with the kidneys, it might not be, well, you're just not drinking enough. It could be the adrenal glands that sit on top of the kidneys. I see a lot of clients that get eczema on the lid, around mm. the eye, and it tends to always be linked with a period of stress mm. in their life. So they've, you know, they've had a particularly stressful period that is affecting sleep or adrenal health, mm. and then they get this kind of outbreak of, of yeah. eczema. What do you do for that, Liz, when you get that kind of, when you get that flare up of eczema? Um, I tend to leave all sort of products off my eye apart from something that's sort of like not Vaseline, but kind of Vaseline. Um, okay. So uh, just something that protects it really. But yeah. it's not a particularly pleasant thing to wear on your eyelid and it can kind of get in your eye and stuff. But it's, I can't, I can't remember what brand it is, but it's one of the sort of like La Roche-Posay Um and it's just a very, very uh, thick it's almost barrier like a cream. Bar really. Yeah, like yeah. I was going to say, like a barrier cream. And actually, you know, not that I'm advocating that people use Vaseline as their eye cream <laughs> because, you know, it's petroleum jelly. It will just yeah. sit there and it could cause, you know, more puffiness and more irritation. But if you have this sort of constant tearing of the eye, if you're, you know, during the spring and summer, you get really bad hay fever and your eyes are constantly watering, you know, actually sometimes if you're not, you know, you're not going anywhere, mm. it's a good idea to maybe put a little bit of, you know, a barrier cream or something like a, a Vaseline at the mm. corners of the eye just to yeah. sort of trap it a little bit. But I appreciate yeah. that's not ideal if you're, you know, you're wanting to put your liner on and your it's mascara. It's not great it's... with black eyeliner. No, <laughs> it's not a good look. <laughs> Smear uh, everywhere. I, I must say, like that eye area responds best to oil. I mean, we use an oil um, eye eye treatment on it, don't we? And yeah. uh, it much prefers oil to any other thing, really. But when it's the eczema's bad, it sort of irritates it. Yeah, and do you know what? That's a really good point because a lot of clients still say to me, and I and I understand this because gen generally eye products are always really expensive, mm. and. You know, we're in a time where people are very aware of being economical and, you know, some people not just from a financial viewpoint, but from a time saving viewpoint. But it really is important and it really is worth investing in an eye specific product. Mm, Finding the right one for you, of course, is really important because then you're not wasting your money and really an eye product, depending on how big the bottle is, but most eye products come in sort of, you know, bottles or tubes that are between mm. 15 and 30 mil. And that really indicates that you don't need a lot. So you should only ever be using yeah. the size of a grain of rice and that will do both eyes. So tiny amounts and <laughs> difficult to show you on audio, um, but but keeping it wide. So where you feel that orbital bone, mm. that's as close to the eye area oh, as really? you want to take it. Oh, I think okay. a lot of people tend to go, oh, it's dry on my eyelid. I'm <laughs> Shove gonna... it in as close yeah. as possible. <laughs> yeah, and I totally get that. Or it's dry nearer my lash line, so I'm going to take it right mm. the way up to your lash line. So you don't, unless it's been medically prescribed, you don't want to be taking it over the lid. You don't want to be taking it close to the lash line because mm. an eye product will creep. Mm. So even though you're having, you know, a bit of a wide border, it will find its way. And especially with you, we've put you on, Jane Scrivener actually does mm. two really lovely eye products. And the one that you prefer out of those two is the is the oil version, isn't it? Um, which mm -hmm. is her sort of her night version. So especially with that, you know, it is an oil base. It will move. Mm. Um, your skin will get warm. It will move and it will get to where it needs to go. So don't be tempted to use too much, but it is worth 
investing in an eye specific product. Really? Yeah. Because they're um, generally designed obviously for that area. Yeah. The the other thing that I find is that I can put all the you know, all the nice moisturizing products, oil, everything on. And then I wake up in the morning and it's just a dry it's a desert. It's like the desert around my eyes. I'm like, what has been going on in the night? I mean, obviously it gets wiped off on <laughs> pillows and stuff like that. And I am a front sleeper, which is about the worst you can be. But yeah, it's in, how do you retain that kind of moisturization overnight? Yeah, that's a really good question, actually. And I think it's think about when you're when you're prepping that area and then when you're applying your products. So equally important to use something efficient and designed to remove your eye makeup. So mm -hmm. there aren't many cleansers that you can use safely across the eye area to take makeup off. Most of them, you know, are just not designed for that area. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them say, you know, avoid the eye area. So make sure you're using a specific eye makeup remover if you're somebody that wears a lot of eye makeup or you mm -hmm. have a lot on on that day. So you're taking that off carefully. You've cleansed then your face, neck, chest. And then if you've got that scenario where you find, as you've just said, it's a brilliant analogy that you wake up and your skin is just mm -hmm. so parched and it's so mm -hmm. dry in that area, likelihood for you exactly what you've just said you're wiping it off maybe over mm. your pillow plus perhaps your eyes are watering during your mm. sleep so again it's almost like you're washing that excess product off <laughs> you could almost try layering it so once you've cleansed I would go straight in with a little bit of your eye mm. oil put that mm. on first and that's useful to get that on, especially if you are going to use actives like retinol, because mm. it will create a bit of a barrier. It will keep the really active ingredients that perhaps you don't want to get close to the eye mm. away. So put your eye product on first, then go in with your serums and your hydrators. You might have used an essence or a spritz first before you put your moisturiser on to layer mm. up that moisture. And then you could, just before you go to bed, put a tiny little bit more on mm. the eye area only yeah. so just uh, keep it again quite wide mm. almost dare I say you know reaching out to the top of the cheekbone mm -hmm. so that again you're almost creating a little bit of a barrier and and just use some really light tapping mo move mm. motions there so you're sitting it on the skin rather than really massaging it in so the first application probably would have got going and you know disappeared mm -hmm. but that yeah. second application gives you a little bit of more of a barrier sort of yeah. protection overnight that makes perfect sense yeah mm. and again that's interesting you saying again about you sleeping on your front mm. that will of course encourage the lymph mm. to pull in that area so it's you know I can't sleep on my back. I normally start that way and then I turn mm. onto one side or the other. <laughs> yeah. um, like most of us, we don't realise how much we move around in the night. But I think if you can try and elevate your pillows, not so that you're going to get a neck ache, but <laughs> elevate your sort of your shoulders and your head a mm. little bit more, just so that you're encouraging that lymph flow a little bit. And yeah. maybe even when you get up in the morning, you know, even do that, not not immediately, don't throw your head upside down as soon as you <laughs> wake up and uh, yeah, cause yourself a, uh, an issue. But you could, you know, do some sort of inversions in the morning to try mm. and really flood the head, face and neck with fresh blood and get that mm. lymphatic fluid moving. Get a headstand going on as soon as oh, exactly. I get out of bed. Yeah, just do a handstand, Liz, out the side. <laughs> you know me, I'm so athletic, that wouldn't be a problem at all. <laughs> oh, and do you, when you wear eye makeup, do you take it off with an eye makeup remover or do you take it I tend to use, use like an oil-based eye makeup remover because I always find they're just so much more effective than any yeah. other kind of, I mean, if I try and wash it off with a sort of gel cleanser it, it you know it's, it's you end up kind of kind of scrubbing at the area quite a lot don't you and it's like, yeah. so I tend to take it off with an oil-based cleanser I really like the Jane Scrivener one actually for that and then I cleanse with like a normal cleanser afterwards but I do take the normal cleanser up over my eyes as well so I don't know if that's good or bad I mean it it, it really just does depend on whether I mean, like I say, if it says on the bottle, do not use around the eyes, then mm. it's probably a good idea not to do that. <laughs> but if you've got a lot of irritation, 
I would probably avoid okay. that and just keep, you know, the sort of the, the eye specific makeup removers. Mm. And the other thing as well is to make sure that if you're using your actual eye makeup remover, that you're applying that onto some damp cotton wool rather than mm. dry cotton wool um, and sweeping it around all of your eye product applications including mm. eye makeup remover should always go with your brow hair mm. if that makes sense so imagine you're smoothing your eyebrows down as opposed to you know the mm. other way where you're going to lift all the hair up yeah. and stand the hair up on end if that helps you visualize it so you're following the line of your brow hair smoothing it and that's the way round you always want mm. to move around the eye area and just using the damp cotton wool first of all it will emulsify the product it will make it go a bit further but secondly it will stop that distension and dragging yeah. the skin around there as well so that's yeah. interesting because at the moment I just use like an oil-based cleanser that's not for the eye area it's just an oil-based cleanser and I kind of slap it on and rub my eyes I'm probably gonna make you have a heart attack Louise but um <laughs> rub, rub up my eyes until it's all off and then I get my like hot flannel and just like wipe it all off but that sounds like I'm probably not doing it quite right. Yeah, so you could <laughs> apply it with your hands. So apply the, I'm, I'm guessing you're using a balm, like a balm cleanse. It's sort of an, yeah, a balm or I think the one I've got at the moment is an oil and then you, you know, use a hot cloth and it, it sort of emulsifies it, I think. Yeah, um, so, so. so a couple of ways you could do that. If you're using like a balm cleanse and you want to use that to take your eye makeup off as well, you could really gently you know, warm that in the fingers mm. and massage that over the eye makeup. <laughs> but I would still then take it off with not a hot cloth. I would take it off with just some, you know, you could use very, very tepid warm water, mm. um, but damp some cotton pads down, support the the brows with one hand and then just take it off with that cotton okay. wool. Um, <laughs> and then careful. you can, yeah. yeah, so just a little bit more care, especially for you where you've got that eye issue and that eye irritation, because mm. I think using the hot water will break down that barrier mm. even more. So mm. it's kind of like you're nourishing your skin overnight, then you're wearing your makeup, but then that in itself is going to irritate. Then you're taking it off with hot water. Mm. So so the replacing of those lipids isn't quite mm. getting through, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's why sometimes it is good just to go all the way back to the basics of, you know, how mm. am I actually cleaning the eyes? Mm. And then, yeah, working out from there what you what's best for you in terms of hydration, which we've worked out for you is definitely the oil. Mm. So, yeah. Brilliant. Oh, great. Thank you. I'll be slightly more cautious in the future than <laughs> scrabbling at my eyes with some oil cleanser. <laughs> yeah, we'll just uh, try and avoid the um, Alice Cooper look as well. <laughs> yeah. Much better. What a fantastic conversation with Jane. I feel so blessed to be talking to some of the most influential people in the beauty industry and just so incredible to hear her story and just be encouraged actually by the fact that you know you can have these little seeds of ideas and they can grow and they can blossom and you can really follow your dreams and really carve out a career from something that you absolutely love. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And yeah, go and check Jane's amazing skincare range out at janescrivener.com. She's also very active on Instagram as well, obviously at Jane Scrivener. And yeah, I love working with her products. I use her products on my clients. We recommend them at Louise Thomas Skin Therapy as well. So yeah, what a fantastic story. And I hope you picked up lots of little tips and tricks as well. I will be back for episode three. See you soon.